Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 432 for Tuesday, the 29th of December, 2015, the last Tuesday of the year. Welcome to the show. Uh, I've got Kelsey Jensen here. Hi. Decided to pay us a visit. (laughs) Over there on the news desk, we've got the one and only Sasha Dermatis. Hello. We've got Adam up in camera. I assure you, he's there. I don't know if you can, like, give a thumbs up and there... There he is. Yay. <laughs> Proof. I'm Robbie Ferguson, and your I'm, host. And I'm Kelsey Jensen, your co-host. I said that. Yeah, I'll say it's it again. redundant. Yeah. It's redundant information. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some fun stuff. Uh, do you want to tell us about uh, our feature tonight? Yes. Today we are celebrating the 20 years of the GNU Image Manipulation Program by continuing our 20 weeks of GIMP. tips series tonight we're going to learn how to remove simple undesirable elements from a photo today's case a stop sign using the free gimp software (laughs) nice i just oh i just just? realized yes how funny that is only because if you took a picture and then manipulated the stop sign away from it you might be able to get yourself out of a ticket or something (laughs) (laughs) image manipulation she goes right to illegal. <laughs> oh, don't. well, now that we know that you can download videos, let's get all the movies. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, we've also got you for your questions tonight. We've been receiving them. We appreciate you sending those in to live at Category5.tv. We're going to dive into the mailbag. Also, get into the chat room. Kelsey's going to be doing her best to keep up there. Yes. It's Category5 on Freenode, and we're going to do the best that we can to get your questions on the air. Sasha Dermatis! live here in the studio on a Tuesday night. How did we do that? I know. Thank goodness. That I we love clo- holidays. I know. The clinic closes a couple of weeks a year, so I think March break I can be here as well. There you go. So, here I am. And here's what's coming up in the Category5.tv newsroom. Elon Musk says he now knows when the safe, fully autonomous self-driving car will arrive. An analysis of North Korea's computer system reveals spy files. A Ukrainian startup says that they've solved long-range wireless charging with their new technology, which is loosely based on how the old crystal radios work. A mysterious collector has opened the world's largest private Apple exhibition in Prague. U.S. prisoners have been getting out of jail early thanks to a software bug that's been in place for 13 years. And a botnet attack powered by a vulnerability in Athra Modems is hitting WordPress websites. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble. And your host, Robbie Ferguson. Welcome to the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Kelsey Jensen. Kelsey, how you been? I've been pretty good. Been a while? Yes. You've been off at school? Yes, I've been getting or an intimacation. a call, as they call it in Canada. What? Oh, that's French, isn't it? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Point in case. We're not all French, and we're not all in igloos. Well, we kind of feel like it today. Yeah, some yeah. days we feel like it. It was a green Christmas, and suddenly... <laughs> 
pretty the much like in Calvin and Hobbes. How's school going? School's going pretty good. Yeah. I passed all my classes this semester. So, so, you, so you're done? No. Oh. I have seven more semesters. I tried, folks. Sorry about that. And Sasha Dermatis, how are things going for you? Things are going great. Yeah? Yeah, I what actually really liked the snow because I have my Fitbit, right? So gave me an opportunity so that, does it measure, to shovel. Does it measure shovels? Yes. It, it works with that? <laughs> yes. How many shovels today? Um... She actually 6,500. 6,500. <laughs> so you must have just a small Canadian driveway then. Yes, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I understand. Okay. <laughs> and I hope everybody had a great Christmas. Nice to see you. Thanks for joining us. And get into our chat room, okay? It's Category 5 on Freenode if you get the chance. Or you can go right through our website, category5.tv, yes. and you'll see the interact menu there. Uh, here's a YouTube comment that came in uh, based on last week's episode, episode number 431. Let's bring her up on the screen here. This came to us from Robert Putnam, who says, not all drones must be registered. This, of course, in reference to the FAA and uh, the new rules about having to register drones after last Tuesday. Right. Uh, but good information here from Robert, who says, not all drones must be registered, only those 250 grams... Most small quadcopters are under that limit. See the FAA page for details. So I did. I checked it out in the FAQ at FAA.gov. We read. Do you want to take it? Sure. All right. Unmanned aircraft weighing less than 55 pounds and more than 0.55 pounds, 250 grams, on takeoff include everything that is on board or otherwise attached to the aircraft and operated outdoors in the national airspace system must register. These aircraft may register under the new web-based registration system. All that techno babble to say, yeah, if it's over 55, or if it's under 55 pounds, if it's over 255, uh, 250 grams, so many numbers. Wait. So I brought the scale to answer yeah. the question, how much, um, does, how much does a teeny drone weigh? Yeah. Any idea? They're so light. Take a guess. Um, 14 grams. 14 grams? What do you think, Kels? Uh, we'll Pick go it up. with 20. You got one here? You can cheat. I don't know. I'm going to go with like 30 grams, maybe. 30 grams. 30 grams. I, I, I said high. 14. I don't know. From 14 to 30. Okay, let's, let's take a look. We got our Taylor scale here. The overhead cam. Teeny drone. And 12 grams <gasps> on the button. Oh, oh, I was oh, so Sasha close. wins. It's like, what's the prize? <laughs> Do I win a teeny drone? <laughs> I'll just fly one over to you. Can okay, I, can you fly it into my hands? Could I? Can you? Would that be Would that be ridiculous? <laughs> can you do it? Okay. I trust you. I'm gonna, <laughs> Please don't fly it into my face. <laughs> yeah. No, Kelsey's the one that's uh, kind of in between us here. All right, I got it. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And I have to change to your camera. Okay. Oh, there it goes. It's going down. <laughs> Come here, little I have buddy. no depth perception. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Score. Now it's mine. How would you love to have one of these teeny drones? Oh, you got it right uh, there for me? I can actually yeah. take off. Wait, should I turn it around? Or no, are you there's no good? need. I can fly okay. in any direction Ooh, whatsoever. Hit me in the face. Okay, I'll try not to. <laughs> as I crash it in behind the server. It's okay because teeny drones uh, are pretty... Um, Durable. I can't even see it. Yeah, they're very durable. They're very durable. It's, Dave got one for Christmas this year. Yes. He loves it. He's learned how to flip. Um, but Way to go, he, Dave. He also flew it outside. It's safe. It's just right on top of that box there. 
I'm not worried. I'm not okay. worried so much about uh, it being safe. I really like to play with it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So he brought it outside to show his aunt and uncle, and yeah. he flew it over a house. And then flew lost, it over a house, but then he lost sight of it and it crashed to the I'd, ground. Right? Yeah. Does so, he realize this is only twelve grams? Obviously not. Well, I'll say. But you know what? The lighter it is, I think that that's what makes it so durable, right? So it's not like a huge mass coming down to the ground. Oh, sure. Yeah, maybe right? that's it. Eh? It's so lightweight. You notice how even after crash? Oh, you want to catch it? Yeah. <laughs> even after crashing, I I can still fly it and it still hovers just fine and no problems. Whoa. <laughs> The furnace is on. So you see me kind yeah. of going all over the place. Yeah. Hey, if you like... Oh. <laughs> that was her fault. If you'd like to learn how to fly one of these things, we've got the dronezone.tv. And uh, we've got an episode up there that teaches you how to fly a teeny drone. Or any quadcopter, for that matter, if you got one for Christmas. Just don't drop it into my water. This is how it's done. Or... Ready? Ready? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm standing close to my face, and I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give away two of these, and the way to do that, uh, in order to qualify to win two teeny drones, all for yourself, or you can share it if you're very, very generous. Uh, get on over to patreon.com slash category5. It's a really cool way to support Category 5 TV yes. Network. And we've got two of these to give away to the same individual, the first 100 people who uh, support us with as little as 25 cents per episode. So that's less than a single cup of coffee a month. You're going to be eligible to win not one, but two teeny drones. Wow. That is an incredible offer for a couple of reasons. And one, because teeny drones were so popular over Christmas, you can't buy them right now. Yeah, they're you hard to get a hold of. You can win them right now. We'll <laughs> just say they flew off the shelves. You'd think that I've been waiting to use that, but I actually use it almost every day. <laughs> Every conversation. I'm really about not teeny surprised. Drones. I know. I'm not surprised. They're really cool, though. They're really fun. And, and what I love about teeny drones is, as you you can start here, they're durable, as we say, and grow and learn yeah. how to fly. As you get better, then you can get a little bit more expensive one, mm -hmm. and you can step it up and step it up. So you're right. not going right to the expensive one and then crashing it and ruining it. You're actually getting good at flying first on something that is more durable, cheaper, and much less likely to to fail if you crash it. Right. You can just pick it up and go again. Yes, Good way to learn. super tiny. Check out the dronezone.tv as well. Uh, that's another program that you're going to be supporting by uh, participating in Patreon because all of our shows are part of the Category 5 TV network. Really, really uh, fun, cool way to support Category 5 TV, Category 5 technology TV. Yes. And, uh, Kelsey, we've had a lot of people who did some of their Christmas shopping online using our partner links, which you'll find under support us at category5.tv. Wanted to say thank you to those of you who have used those links uh, over the holidays and, and uh, even with your gift cards this week. I've noticed uh, people going that route, going to Amazon, for example, or eBay, uh, Newegg Canada, going yeah. through there to, to purchase some stuff. Um, and uh, that really, really helps support Category 5 Technology TV. And we're partnered with a whole bunch of cool uh, companies and lots of different regions. Amazon, yeah. for example, it's like .co.uk, .com, .ca, .jp, .it. Everywhere. Uh, kind of everywhere Amazon is. Uh, almost uh, we're affiliated with them. So yes. thank you, everybody, for your support. 
And of course, Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Category5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Category5.tv slash IAIB. We ready to get into it? Heck yeah. 20 weeks of GIMP tips are thanks to 20 years of the GNU Image Manipulation Program. Woo. You can get it absolutely free at GIMP.org, G-I-M-P. Yes, and I have. Define the GIMP. If I could define GIMP, GNU Image Manipulation Program, it's a Photoshop alternative that is free. Yes. It's, it's got a large suite of features. Mm-hmm. And for, for all intents and purposes, it's a great yeah. alternative. I've actually I've used it quite a bit and I really enjoy GIMP. I I love it when I do get the chance to use it. It's just perfect. Are you ready to learn along with us? It's week six of our GIMP tips, Woo. and if you follow along with these twenty weeks uh, of GIMP tips, you're going to get a lot of useful information to help get your feet wet and learn some of the some of the basics of how to use GNU image manipulation program, but also get into some of the more advanced stuff. Mm-hmm. Tonight we're starting with something that seems fairly advanced, and it really is. Uh, but we're doing we're starting with something that's simple in the spectrum right. of this particular type of manipulation, which is to remove objects from a photograph, stuff that's in the photo that you don't want to be there because it otherwise would be a perfect photograph. Uh, photograph, but ah, uh, there happened to be a piece of litter on the ground, or uh, in our case today, a stop sign in the frame, and we really don't want it there because it really pulls away from the, the kind of the the nature of the photograph. And when you get more advanced, if you have an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, delete, remove them from all your pictures. There you there have you it. Go, That's you... a part of the series too. <laughs> but I thought we'd start with something a little more basic, like a uh, you know a stop sign, and then we'll get into people. people, hands, faces, etc. Yes. So yes, we will cover that further in the series. So I had this photograph sent to me uh, of a horse farm. Let's bring it up. And this photo, I'm going to bring it up in GNU Image Manipulation Program. They said this is a a wonderful photograph of the horse farm, but (laughs) figures, as beautiful as it is, on this country road, there's this old rusty stop sign. And if we could only get rid of that stop sign, it would be a really... Really pretty photograph. Yes. So let's do it. We're going to use one tool here today. And when you learn how to do this, you can literally ha- make this effect in seconds. And you've heard me say that, but through the course of the series and through the, this tonight, we're going to show you exactly how it's done and explain it every step of the way. Mm-hmm. So it takes us a little bit longer. But as you get good at it, uh, you'll be able to do these, these effects and these features, uh, use these features of the GIMP very, very quickly. Yeah. <clears throat> The tool we're looking at tonight is called the clone tool. And it looks like a little stamp right there. And don't mistake that for the healing tool, we're gonna, or the perspective clone tool or the healing tool. Um, we're going to look at those tools in the future, but today we're looking at the sim- uh, simply the clone tool. And it looks like that stamp. So looking at our photograph here, let's get in here. I'm gonna zoom in by pressing shift and plus, And that lets me move around uh, Uh, That lets me zoom in on the picture, and then I can use my mouse wheel up and down, takes me up and down the image. If I hold in the left shift key on my keyboard, up and down now goes right for down and left for up. So I can move all around the image just by that single finger on the keyboard up and down on my mouse wheel. 
That's useful information. Yeah. So now with this clone stamp tool, okay, what I can do, you see that I have a marquee kind of circle uh, on my mouse. That's the size of my, my stamp. I can change that with the size down here, and that's going to change the size of the, uh, the actual stamp surface. So you see as I make that bigger, now I've made it so big it's, it's ginormous. There it is. See how huge that is? Bring it down even further. That's quite huge. Hope you can see that at home. So I'm going to go with this particular image. It looked like, well, 20 didn't look so bad. Now that actually looks pretty big. Let's go with, let's try 10. Ooh, it wanted to do 800. <laughs> I'm highlighting and then typing 10. So now my stamp is about that size. Okay, so what we're going to do with this tool, Kelsey, is we're going to actually find something that we can sample that would be similar to what would be there yeah. if the stop sign wasn't. Because we have to think along the terms of, okay, the stop sign is, is obscuring whatever's behind it. Right. So I know that there's trees behind it. I know that in the distance there are trees and there's a bit of a road there. Um, but how do I regenerate that information that doesn't exist because it's blocked by the, the stop sign? Right. So I find somewhere else in the image which I think kind of represents what might be um, behind it. So to demonstrate that, let's pull in here. I'm going to hold in the left control key on my keyboard. And let's click on this, this area down here. So I've just single clicked while holding left control. And now I have set, notice that it stays there. I have set a control point for my stamp. So now if I go over to this pole and I start painting, it's actually sampling from the right-hand side one and basically pasting with a bit of a, a soft edge uh, on, on top of the pole for the stop sign. So now what's happening, I, you can see that the, the one on the right there is just about to hit the road. So if I were to go up a little bit further, what's going to happen is it's going to start to clone the road into this scene. See that? Yeah. And that is not appropriate. The, there wouldn't be any road at this particular point. So that shouldn't be there. So then I want to reselect another area and grab some more and paint it on and make it look as smooth as possible and kind of paint to the edge of the road. So now I've got the pole ends at the road. So now we need that seamless transition between where the road and the, uh, the edge of the grass or the, this uh, ground ends. So I'm going to select my clone stamp tool here so that I'm right on the edge of where the road meets the grass. And then I move up this way. So then I'm able to create that same kind of gradient. Now grab the road, clicking the control key and then my mouse. And I can start painting in part of the sign here. And you'll see that it's sampling everything, including shadows and everything. So now I have this bit of a dark line because it copied shadows. So I can control click here and get rid of some of that. Won't work right there, but I can go here and make the shadows kind of line up so that it's a little more realistic. Grab that kind of colorization there and try to make it look as real as you can. And it's, it's really quite simple. Now here we've got a shadow. And so the shadow, we need to control click and bring that over top of this here so that we've got that seamless, it, that's what would have been behind. Okay, so now you can see if we zoom out, we're starting to lose that sign altogether. Let's grab this area down here, same tool. 
grab some of the leaves and kind of roughly paint over top so it has that rough edge, cover up some of the stuff that looks repetitive. You want to avoid that kind of repeating um, and make it look random so it does look like leaves sitting on the ground. There we go. And now the, the hardest one is probably going to be this stop sign floating in midair because how do we recreate trees now? So now we've got to get creative. We've got to imagine what would be behind it. Again, we're going to use this trick of grabbing the edge where the road meets the... Uh, the grass, and I'm going to drag up, and I'm going to drag up, click and drag, click and drag, and I may have to do that a couple times, then grab some of the road and fill it in there, so then we've got a fairly good transition between uh, road and grass. Okay, so now we need trees, so I'm going to click on the bottom of a stump of a tree, I've picked one over here, and let's just start actually kind of painting trees, making, making believe that there are trees here. It's a happy little bush. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so see what I'm actually doing? I'm sampling from the right there and painting in here with the same trees that are on the right, but I'm doing it in, in such a way, because I'm using kind of up and down and, and around, I'm getting those, I'm getting not just the, the tree leaves, but also the, the, the bottom part, the trunk of the trees. And I can create a couple extra trees there if I wanted to. See that? and then paint it in. Get these nice fall colors. Let's get this one here. There's some shadows. Okay. And then a little more painting. Notice it's getting a little bit of gray there. That's because it's touching the, the area that, that had the, uh, the gray before from the sign. Now I want to have a, a tree stump leading up to this tree here, so Notice how I can just paint one on? Yeah. So I've control clicked over here, grabbed a, a tree stump, and I'm going to use that as my, as the, what do you call it? The tree trunk. Yeah. There we go. Okay, so I've got a little bit of a fuzzy edge right here. I want to just kind of fill that in and just, again, randomizing, making it so that we don't have the redundancy and it looks like we've got some texture there. So now as I zoom out, there you have it. We've got this beautiful picture. There's no sign of a sign. I think you'd be hard-pressed to ever notice that there was ever a sign there. Yeah, it would take, it would take like, some really good, like, sh like Sherlock detective-y kind of you'd thing have going to on. Yeah. And, like, with a magnifying glass. It'd take a while. Well, but. the clone tool is taking those leaf, the leaf, leaf texture yeah. from the trees beside it or wherever I've selected and placing it in a, a kind of a... Uh, like I say, a feathered edge right. over top of wherever I paint. So it, it's, in all essence, is kind of recreating uh, leaves on the trees. So mm -hmm. that's all there is to it, folks. And that's how great it looks. That's how it turns out. And as you can tell, it didn't really take a long time, even with us explaining. We've got this now, uh, a beautiful image where there is no stop sign. That is the GNU image manipulation program. Tonight we were looking at the clone tool, and through the course of this series, which is 20 weeks of GIMP tips, we're going to be showing you all kinds of cool things that you can do with the free GNU image manipulation program. Yes. You can download that for Windows, Linux, or Mac at GIMP.org. Cool stuff. Yeah. Hope you've been enjoying the series. Love teaching you some of this stuff, and I know the reaction so far has been great to... Uh, you know, the, the stuff that we're teaching you with the GIMP. 
if you have any ideas or suggestions, things that you'd like us to teach you, then, uh, you know, or things that, you, hey, how do I do this? Or maybe you know how to do something in Photoshop and aren't quite sure how to do it in, in uh, the GNU image manipulation program, we'd be happy to do those things as well. So. There's nothing wrong with having a tree as a friend. <laughs> how did I become the movie trailer guy? <laughs> That's in the chat room. Thanks, GWG. All right, folks. Well, Sasha Dermatis, how are you over there? I am great. I'm excited. It's news time. I know. Can you believe? Now, Sasha, you're, you're off because of holidays this week. So we're right. between Christmas and New Year here. And uh, so we've got a couple of, we've got bookends of long weekends, which is a beautiful thing. It's, it's kind of the best way it could possibly fall oh, yeah. for holidays. So. I'm uh, loving it. Yeah, no, you kind of know, right? Because oh, you're, yeah. you're here from school. I feel like I need to explain like how awesome my typical work schedule is, except for the fact that I miss Tuesday nights. Mm. I get a four-day work week, 40 hours in four days. So I get a three-day weekend every weekend. So that's kind of amazing. Now, I'm no mathematician, but you're talking 10 hours a day. Is well, no, you know what? Well, you it's do a 12-hour day, another 12-hour exactly, day. That's not exactly how it works days. on Tuesdays. And it's the reason why I'm not here. Um, I work from 6.30 in the morning until 9 at night. But then on, on Wednesdays, I do a four-hour work day. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I get, to sleep, I get to sleep in on Wednesday. Right. Yeah. So oh. sometimes the clinic closes for the whole week. It never closes for just a Tuesday. Or early on a Tuesday, which right. is unfortunate. So it worked out for, for us and for our viewers this week. Kelsey yes. could be here being off from school. Sasha could be here being off from work. <laughs> I'm here every week. This, so get used to it. This just makes my heart so happy. Like yeah. Not only am I back, but Kelsey's here. Adam's it's, here. It's like old times, guys. Yeah. 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 All right. It's the, old, the old gang is back together. And I feel the, like we need to like do some doo-wop. And the chat room most of whom are in the UK are up like past midnight <laughs> yeah. hanging out with me, which is also awesome. Yeah, me most thanks, nights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. It's Tuesday, December 29th, 2015, and here are the stories we're covering this week. Elon Musk says he now knows when the safe, fully autonomous self-driving car will arrive. An analysis of North Korea's computer system has revealed an underlying spy architecture to both monitor and manipulate files. A Ukrainian startup says that they've solved long-range wireless charging with their new technology, which is loosely based on how the old crystal radio works. A mysterious collector has opened the world's largest private Apple exhibition in Prague. U.S. prisoners have been getting out of jail early thanks to a software bug that's been in place for 13 years. And a botnet attack powered by a vulnerability in Athera modems is hitting WordPress websites. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. You've got mad skills. Now hone them. Learn new skills or improve your existing ones with online video tutorials and training from lynda.com through our special link at cat5.tv slash lynda. Learn software, technology, creative, and business skills you can use today to help you achieve your professional goals. Join today and start learning. We'll give you this chance to try it absolutely free with unlimited access to all of the courses. Sign up now for free, cat5.tv slash linda.
update us and here are the top stories from the Category5.tv newsroom. A variety of automakers have begun selling semi-autonomous vehicles, but you'll have to wait probably five years to buy a fully autonomous one, the kind that, you can, that can drive you anywhere while you read a book behind the wheel. At least that's what many car companies are predicting. Tesla Motors CEO Elon Musk, on the other hand, believes his company's fully autonomous cars will arrive in just a few years. Regulations allowing them on the road could take between one to five years, depending on jurisdictions, he predicts. That's yet another notch down in Musk's ever-shortening timeline. In September, he told Danish news site Borsen that he expects the company to have self-driving vehicles ready in three years. Um, And one year before that, the company released a statement projecting that the technology would be completed in five or six years. This is awesome for him. Musk might not be incorrect. In October, his company became became the first automaker to sell semi-autonomous vehicles commercially. But his competitors are being more conservative in their predictions. Ford CEO Mark Fields told Forbes in June that he expects someone to make fully autonomous cars ready for consumer purchase within the next five years, but declined to say that Ford would hit that deadline. Japan's Nissan has pegged 2020 as the year it hopes to release the self-driving cars to the masses, as has Toyota. Audi has estimated it would be ready to churn out fully autonomous vehicles by 2025. Google has been testing semi-autonomous and fully autonomous vehicles for years, and it hopes to begin selling fully autonomous vehicles in two to five years, perhaps in partnership with Ford. It's possible that the exact dates are irrelevant. Car companies must do more than simply build the technology um, behind the fully autonomous driving. They also need to work with governments to set regulations and figure out how to get the vehicles into consumers' garages. Even if Tesla releases the perfect self-driving car before its competitors do, that doesn't mean the vehicles will outsell others. The self-driving car might be closer than it appears, but its popularization remains distant. Mm. And I agree. I don't know that I would be comfortable. Would you, Robbie? That's kind of my question for you is, like, would you ride in an autonomous car? Fully autonomous. I would be freaking out a little bit. I wouldn't (laughs) want it to drive itself in the winter. Does your mom, like, grab at the steering wheel while you're driving? Not anymore. No? I, She's gotten past that? Yes. I would not want to drive in my own owned autonomous car. I wouldn't want to own a piece of technology that's that expensive and also that potentially dangerous. However, I would like somebody else to own it, and I'd love to ride around in it. Hmm. You know, I, don't, I wouldn't want to... How much does a car cost? Like, how much would one of those... One billion dollars. Like a hundred and twenty thousand dollars, probably. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much they're going to cost, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know that the timing is relevant, as you say. But um, it seems this is the progression of things. My other the Johnny cons- Cab is coming. My other concern. Yeah. Uh, there was an episode of Doctor Who on a while ago. Or well, with, with Tennant, so obviously you're about to say Weeping Angels. No, I'm not. There was an episode with David Tennant where basically these cars were trying to take over the world by driving people into lakes. Okay. That's one of the things that I'm scared about. Is it just going to drive right off the road into a lake or something? <laughs> I'm not so afraid of an autonomous car. I'm afraid of my autonomous car trying to murder me. 
Yes. <laughs> right. Okay. I could see them being more, I mean, if um, Isaac Asimov's rules apply to the autonomous car, then would it be safer than a yeah. human-driven vehicle? Yes. I trust an autonomous car more than I, that I trust the majority of drivers out True. there. Like, there are some good drivers there are so many bad drivers. couple things. I mean, I'm driving down the highway Christmas night, and there are people driving without their headlights on, and it's pitch black out. Right. And things like that. Like, driver error that is stupid. Right. And so, accidental, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I So, I wouldn't want to own a car that's safer than all the rest of the cars, and then have somebody else hit it. Right. But would it have better defensive driving capabilities because it's smart, so to speak, and it can see everything at all times? I can't see necessarily in my blind spots if somebody's doing something crazy or swerving or something, but an autonomous car can. But then what can it do? I mean, you're in the confines of your own lane. I'm thinking the That's program where would flight be... flight comes in. <laughs> Isn't that next? Take, Isn't that next? Robots are going to take over the world. I know it. <laughs> they so, just drive into <laughs> the lake, Sasha. So, in like my perfect world, there'll be a new taxi service of autonomous cars, and I won't have to buy the car, but I'll be able to benefit from the technology. We know it's coming. Uber and it's with called Johnny Cab. <laughs> yeah, Uber with right. self-driving cars. That's that is an interesting thing. And what are Elon Musk's opinions of Uber? What does he like huh. it? Does he like? Oh. I'm just putting that out there. Hmm. Okay. Elon Musk, what are your opinions on Uber? Oh, I think we know. Tell us. I think we know. The first, in other news, the first in-depth analysis of North Korea's internal computer operating system has revealed spying tools capable of tracking documents offline. Red Star OS was designed to superficially mimic. Apple's OS X, but hidden features allow it to watermark files and tie them to an individual. The covert tools were discovered by two German researchers who conducted the analysis over the past month. They presented their findings at the Chaos Communications Congress on Sunday. The researchers poured over the code of Red Star OS version 3.0, which first surfaced online about a year ago. The system's coders did a pretty good job of mimicking the basic design and functionality of Apple computers, but with a twist. Any files uploaded to the system via a USB stick or other storage device can be watermarked, allowing the state to trace the journey of that file from machine to machine. Red Star can also identify undesirable files and delete them without permission. Red Star was built using Linux, a free and open source platform which can be modified at will and was designed that way to make it as accessible as possible. There is an inherent irony in North Korea's use of the system, says one of its researchers. They are using a system that was built to promote free speech and they are abusing it by watermarking free speech. Hmm. So kind of sad Linux news I would say that's a hard that thing. I mean, I know it's North Korea, and so you know, there's fears there about some some things and spying on users and things like that. But it would seem kind of normal to me that a government would have access to that kind of data internally. Right. A company would have endpoint protection of some sort to be able to make sure that there are not data leaks taking place, and that's one of the things that are 
almost a, a well, it's a problem. I, there was a hard drive full of social insurance numbers and all this stuff at a Canadian um, government office just sitting there, an external hard drive. So if they, if we had all of our actual like secure information watermarked, then the government would be able to trace who stole it if it got stolen? Or that- prevent it from being stolen by knowing where it is at any given time and prevent it from... So, for example, um, using endpoint protection software or a hardware appliance on a network, if, if Kelsey went rogue, which is destined to happen, <laughs> um, and started going into my customer database and emailing... Uh, credit card information to uh, herself at home so that she could then take over their accounts or something or whatever it may be. Data leakage happens, data theft happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And and using the example of the government office where this physical hard drive was actually physically taken and now all that information about people's, I think it was school loans, was, was revealed to the public. So being able to think of watermarking as being able to track Right, individual okay. files and find out where they've gone and where they started even. So regardless of who's responsible, be it North Korea or or a government office in Canada, it's, it's a tough call because security measures have to be put in place. I guess it depends on the motivation. I, you know what I would say? I bet you it was the fact that nobody knew that the information was watermarked. But if you Perhaps. said, like if the government said all of the information on our servers will be watermarked, we will be able to trace anything, always. And this is an operating system. Right. right? Red Star OS being distributed to citizens of North Korea and saying, here, this is the operating system of choice. And this is free and yeah. so on, right? Not of choice. So, I'm pretty sure they don't get a choice. Well, <laughs> we're not getting all political on us. <laughs> Let's just throw a little comparison out there how many of us have seen the little pop-up that says windows 10 is available for your system absolutely free Mm, mm -hmm. and if you read on in the terms of use what does it say about the ability for them to be able to transfer your files your data how is it any not to make a comparison to north korea between microsoft okay okay but perhaps media kind of skews things in such a way that we start to finger point and say, hey, they're doing something bad. Well, really, it's happening under our own noses right. as well. I'm picking up what you're laying down or okay. reading your mail, if you will. Hey. Yes. <laughs> All right. Wireless chargers using standards like qi, which is spelt Q-I, which is a Chinese word for natural energy, have been on the market for a while. IKEA even includes them in some of its furniture these days. So these are the, the furniture pieces that you just put your phone on top I've of the, the dresser. I've seen the commercials, yeah. Yeah. But if you think about it, there's not that much difference between a wired and wireless charging of this kind. After all, the charger still needs to be plugged into a wall socket, and you still need to leave your phone in a designated place to charge. What would be a significant improvement, however, is charging a smartphone just by hanging around in the same room as a wireless charger. So Z, a Ukrainian startup working in a semi-stealth mode since 2014, claims to have found a safe and reliable way to transfer electricity to a device up to 5 meters or 16 feet away. 
Oh. Awesome. The commercial version of the technology will consist of a base charging station of about 15 by 15 by 40 centimeters and a three millimeter thick smartphone case. The current version isn't as compact as it will become. The antenna and, bu- and a buffer battery sit in a 3D printed cradle while the transmitter is contained in a large black box. It can take up to 20 seconds for the charging to start after the transmitter is powered on. That's the time needed for the buffer battery to build up ahead of steam. The project began as a curious thought in the brain of startup's founder, Ivan Chuba. Could a smartphone be powered like an old crystal radio? The idea of a crystal radio was simple. With just a coil of copper wire, antenna, capacitor, and crystal detector, and high impedance earphones, impedance earphones and no additional power you can listen to some radio stations although the sound level is very weak what z claims to have done is build an efficient combination of a transmitter and receiver so that the power passed along could be used to charge the buffer battery z's team of eight people based in ukraine poland and the uk have spent more than a year looking for the most efficient configuration for such a system The main breakthrough we've achieved is the antenna, Chuba said. On our working frequency, which is in the SW band, you'll normally need a large antenna to receive the signal and pass it to the converter. We've built an antenna capable of doing this that can be housed in an iPhone 6 or 6S case. The team is currently working on a new prototype so that it can take to the SVOD Europe conference in Dublin in January. From there, the prototype will be sent to a certification center in the UK in order to receive the necessary documents to start mass production. That's wow. close. That's soon. Already there. Initially, Z will offer cases for iPhone 6 and 6S, but in the future, the startup plans to widen the range. The idea is to license the technology to establish case vendors. This is great. This is the sort of news story where I can picture you could go onto a plane and by the time you land, everybody's phone would be charged. Right? Sure. I love that that they're licensing the technology rather than trying to be the end-all, be-all by our case. So if they say, okay, Samsung, if you would like to implement this technology and, hey, let's also implement transmitters at every railway station and bus stop and everywhere right. else but on I buses was, even yeah so i was thinking earlier when i was reading the stories that if they had the ability to modify pacemakers and you know little oh. things that need constant like ear um what are they called hearing oh, aids hearing aids yeah right so that you just automatically kind of get juiced up anywhere you go. My immediate thought is, okay, for medical device, like a pacemaker or something that, you know, my life is relying on this, Mm -hmm. I would be afraid to to implement that. But if it was a secondary measure or just a charging mechanism, so if I had, you know, a full day's worth of battery in my pacemaker and was able to charge it wirelessly by entering my house... Right, sort of like a sleep. like a backup, right? You think about people. Sure. I mean, so it's not actually powering the device, but it's right. charging oh, yeah. it. Right. So, I mean, there are tons of people out there who are hard of hearing that can't afford the batteries necessary for their hearing aids. Batteries are you tiny. Go them. Yeah. Yeah. So, if they had the something like that, I mean, if you went to a public library and all of a sudden, you know, you could hear again. 
I like it. There are a lot of implementations. I mean, we're looking at phones and, and but yeah, thinking about other devices yeah. and all the uses of it. Or your teeny drone would never <gasps> die. <laughs> I like the way you think. <laughs> so great. You know how horrible it is, that like tiny little window where you have to plug it in and not fly it while it charges up again? <laughs> what is it? It's five meters. So that's so I can go way further than five meters. It's got like eighty feet distance, but but you can f- you can fly your by every now and then. Yeah, and it charge it as you go. Hey, so great! I wonder how long it would take to charge something like to full capacity. Yeah, like, like and considering a shortwave band, it's going to be a low power, you know, yeah. little trickle charging. So it's it's It'd almost take a few hours. But if you're constantly within this field, yeah. which we assume is going to be safe because that's the whole idea. They're getting it certified to prove that it's safe and yeah. get it registered. Which I like. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people will <laughs> oh, like Oh, great new technology, uh, uh, but it, uh, it kills and you. And yes. Yeah. Not the cars. The cars won't kill you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Although the official Apple store is yet to come to the capital of the Czech Republic, the city has recently seen the launch of the Apple Museum, which claims to host the largest private exhibition of its kind. Um, Housed in three buildings in Prague's Old Town, the museum has an extensive list of 472 exhibits on display, From nearly every Apple product ever built to Steve Jobs' business cards from his times at Next and Pixar. Entry to the museum costs 11 euros or 8 pounds with all proceeds donated to charity purposes. In addition to the actual exhibition, a raw vegan restaurant called Stephen's Food will soon open up, serving foods that were probably enjoyed by the Apple co-founder, like apples that are both raw and vegan. (laughs) The museum's website calls Prague the first city where you can see this unique exhibition, which could mean that the collection might be on the move at some point. Apple doesn't have an official museum of its own products, although there used to be one that Steve Jobs closed soon after his return to the company in 1997. So there you go. An Apple museum. Not for apples of the tree variety, but for Steve Jobs' apples. (laughs) Apple. Very cool. I want to go. You want to go? I want to go. You going to make the trek? I I don't don't like Apple very much, but I want to go. It is kind of neat from a nostalgia standpoint. Yeah. And to see that it came from here to here. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. I want to go. I would go. I'd go if I was in the neighborhood. Let's all go. Let's make it a Category 5 class outing. (laughs) There you go. Nice. All right. More than 3,200 U.S. prisoners have been released early because of a software glitch. Whoops. Yep, oopsie. The bug miscalculated the sentence reduction prisoners in Washington state had received for good behavior. It was introduced in 2002 as part of an update that followed a court ruling on applying good behavior credits. Washington's Governor Jay Inslee said at a press conference that this problem was allowed to continue for 13 years is deeply disappointing to me, totally unacceptable, and frankly, maddening. State officials said that many released prisoners would have to return to jail to finish their sentences. 
On average, prisoners got out 49 days early, but one prisoner had his sentence cut by 600 days. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> the bug was detected. I'm free! Well, it was good behavior anyhow. The I, bu- I mean, guess. these are criminals, but the bug was detected but not fixed in 2012. An update that applies the correct formula for calculating sentence cuts is due to be in place by January the 7th. Until then, the District of Columbia has been ordered not to release any prisoners without checking manually that they should be released. I have a little bit of a problem with people having to go back to prison to yeah. complete their sentences. Yeah, who does this hurt? If it's for 47 to 600 oh, days. man. These Can you are- imagine it? Like if this was really somebody who was on good behavior, like somebody who, yeah. like I've changed and I've, you know, whatever it uh, may yeah. be and go home to their kids or something and the joy and the... And then being pulled back again because of an error. Right. There's a couple of things. There's not very much space in the prison system yeah. in enough. yeah in Washington, I assume. Um, most, most, most states. And secondly, there's going to be so many people fighting this that it's just going to be a legal oh. nightmare to try and get them to go back to jail for a problem that's not they're, they're doing. Yeah, they didn't yeah. create this. Yeah. I don't know. I'll defend you. I'm not. I'm no lawyer, but I'll defend you. I'll get you off. <laughs> I just hope that the guy that was out 600 days early is a nice person. Oh yeah, well yeah. that's true. But I mean, they say. I mean, once you serve your time, that's it, right? You are reintroduced into the community after paying your penance. Right. You shouldn't have to go back. You shouldn't have to go back unless you do something yeah. bad behavior. That's a tough call. That's a real tough call. Like erasing the stop signs out of pictures or something. <laughs> it's only illegal if you do it to get out of tickets. That's true. That's what yes. we learned tonight. <laughs> <laughs> a botnet has been identified that is targeting WordPress websites with a password guessing attack. In February of this year, a security researcher at VoidSec noticed a brute force attack on his personal WordPress site, and he noticed a pattern in the IP addresses attacking his site. They were mostly Italian internet service providers. What he discovered is that the IPs attacking his site were all devices. They were all Athera modem or router, Athera modem routers to be exact. By doing some further sleuthing, he discovered that all the Athera devices involved in the attack were using default login credentials. The modems had been had obviously been hacked and the attacker had gained access through the default login. They had then installed malware on the modems that launched a brute force password guessing attack on WordPress sites. The Ethereum devices in question suffer from the from various cross-site scripting vulnerabilities among other issues. To protect your WordPress site, make sure you have a security tool such as WordFence monitoring and protecting your login system. If you use a modem which might be suspect, suspect, make sure your firmware is patched to the latest version and that you have configured strong login credentials on the modem. I know, Robbie, that we've done a show on WordFence and, and yeah. so I know that you can go back. I don't remember what episode it is, but make sure if you're using WordPress to... It's it's kind of a twofold warning, isn't it? Because uh, you get a, a modem from your internet service provider, and you just think, oh, it's safe. They say, yeah. you know, plug it in, turn it on. Oh, look, I've got internet, so that's great. Who would want to compromise me? Well, you're just a number. It's mm-hmm. like it's like the olden days before you know, before we had the ability to to ghost dial and stuff. 
picking up a phone and starting at, you know, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, five, one, two, mm-hmm. three, six, one, two, three, to do solicitations and stuff. Or, right. gov- you know, uh, people running for office would <laughs> have people sitting in a call center dialing like that. Well, similarly, your IP address is just a sequence of numbers that it counts through and oh it found a router that's susceptible so let's compromise right that. this isn't even just a person plugging things in this no. is a person who made no, a program that plugs it in like the, he probably or he or she probably we're guessing it's a he because we're gender stereotyping hackers <laughs> <laughs> sorry he or she um wrote a program and is probably you know sleeping peacefully at night while all of this mayhem is occurring so, so what, and then what does a botnet mean all of these modems so let's say 10,000 modems all together working to attack right so your modem at home being used as part of a supercomputer basically to attack websites and those websites are again anonymous just websites that happen to be indexed by the search engine and so they're able to find out that hey this site runs wordpress and now let's attack it Mm-hmm. So your WordPress site all of a sudden becomes vulnerable. So, yeah, crazy. Anyhow, big thanks this week to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us. If you found a new story you'd like to send, email it to newsroom at category5.tv. For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, visit the category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For the category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Dermatis. Baldrick the Brave in the chat room says, those are the ones we run in our office. <gasps> you are susceptible. It's probably you. Change it. <laughs> You're part of the botnet. You've been attacking our WordPress blogs. Stop that. Upgrade. Do it. Add a password. There's something. Be safe. Yeah. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. I'm Robbie Ferguson. I'm Kelsey Jensen. Nice to see you. Let's uh, get into some viewer questions tonight. Viewer questions are brought to you in part by those who buy their fire alarms and T-shirts and books and CDs and movies on Amazon. Thank you. Through our partner links at Category5.tv. Click on Support Us, and you'll see all the different partners that we have there, including Amazon. We've had some really interesting things being purchased there. uh, And we've also got stores like Sammy Dress, uh, where you can get some really cool outfits, including those ratchet belts that I uh, was looking at. super cheap. For super cheap. Super cheap. Super great deal. And cheapy, a portion cheapy. of every sale goes to help Category 5. If you're into Irish things, uh, get on over to the Irish store, and you can find them as one of our partners as well at Category5.tv that's, that's for fancy. authentic Irish merch from Ireland. From Ireland. Not from China. So you can get from a, Ireland. So you can get a kilt from Ireland. You could get a kilt or from it, Ireland, but why would you do that? Because that's Scottish. <laughs> Sorry. I don't think they carry kilts, but they do have some lovely sweaters, and uh, they do have some nice trinkets and yeah. really cool stuff. So you could say you went to Ireland, but not have really gone to Ireland. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that trinket that you brought back for me, you ordered it at the Irish store through Category 5 to support us. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So on with the questions. Our first question comes from <laughs> Dooley DeVulcan. Hey, Dooley. I have recently reinstalled Point Linux again. Did the recommended updates earlier earlier than after reboot was presented with a login screen, even though I have it set up for auto-login, and when I put in my password, it goes blank like it is going to boot, and then I'm back to the login screen. Unacceptable. If I do Control-Alt-F1, I can log in with my name and password, so that hasn't 
So it hasn't gotten that mixed up, and neither have I. I use I DD to reclone one SSD I have with a completely fresh point Linux back to the other, but again, I'm facing the worries of what to update and what not to. First of all, it's very important that we that we clarify, as per Dennis Kelly, that apparently they do wear kilts also in Ireland. But it was fun to make fun of you all the same. <laughs> and doing Yikes. a quick Google image search, it, it would appear that there are Irish kilts. Thank you. They're Robbie. green. Not red. That way, you can recognize them when they go to battle. Okay. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, chat room. Okay, well, I think it's your video drivers. I think that something got mixed up in the update process there, Dooley. Um, so, easiest thing to do would be to switch to just, like, VESA drivers, VGA, straight out of the box, easy drivers, or uh, reinstall your, your you, you say you're able to log in. So, go through the steps, uh, bring it up on another, you know, if you've got a laptop around, bring up the steps to installing your, your drivers for your video card and correct that situation. What's happening is, is you're getting to the, to the GUI to the point where you can log in, and then it tries to kick in the video drivers, and then it Hacks out, so I uh, guarantee you that's most likely what uh, what it is. Give that a try, all right, and let us know if it helped. Uh, but again, switching to like VESA or VGA mode for your drivers, it's different for each version. I know, like it used to be like xorg.conf uh, in the etc slash x11 with a capital X folder. Uh, I'm not sure if Point Linux still uses that or not, but you can check and just change it from NVIDIA or whatever you're using ATI or whatever to VESA, V-E-S-A and see if that works. You can always change it. Mm -hmm. And Control-Alt-F1 when he hits that, that's logging into a TTY terminal. So it proves that you can log in and you can make changes to the system. So if that doesn't fix it or if you break it further you can still log in that right. way. You've got the terminal in front of you, the black screen and you can correct things until you get it up and running and then you hit Control-Alt-F7 and try again. So that should do. Good luck. Yes. Let us know. Yes. Our next question comes from Jamie. He wants, he hey, Jamie. Or, or she, I'm not really sure, wants to know if it is possible to pair something like an iPhone with multiple Bluetooth speakers at the same time so music plays out of all of them. Jamie. This is my good friend, Jamie. He. Okay. And uh, wants to know, okay, so can you pair your iPhone with multiple speakers? That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Yeah. Have you ever tried? No. You're going to find, Jamie, what, what happens when you, when you pair your device, doesn't matter if it's an iPhone or whatever it is, to a speaker, you, your phone, you're going to actually select which speaker to play out of. So if I have, I, at my house, for example, I've got a soundbar uh, on the TV. It's got Bluetooth capabilities, so it's nice because we can fire up some music on the phone and we don't have to listen to music through the phone speaker. We can hear yeah. it on the soundbar and it sounds pretty good. Uh, then you go up to the bedroom and you've got a docking station with Bluetooth and, and so on. So I can pair with both, but I can't play through both at the same time. It's one or the other, and sometimes it will auto-select. Sometimes I have to actually select which Bluetooth dev device I want to play through. Or if I've got my headset, for example, now all of a sudden the Bluetooth speaker stops working. Right. So um, some speakers, uh, my soundbar, for example, will allow... Um, multiple devices to connect to it, but my phone doesn't have the capability to connect yeah. at the same time to multiple devices. Well, why is that? Bluetooth typically, 
as a technology. It's a wireless technology similar to Wi-Fi uh, in its uh, the technology that it that it uses. Um, it is very slow, so um, Bluetooth 2.1 is uh, is very slow, like two megabits per second. Right. So that's why it, it can be, you know, if you're transferring a file through Bluetooth, it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. So if you get into Bluetooth 3 or 4, then all of a sudden it's 26 megabits a second at its absolute maximum, at its, at its best performance. Um, but that's still not very fast. So if I have one stream going to my soundbar, I can't have another stream going somewhere else because there's just not enough bandwidth there. So Inwalks Wi-Fi, which is up to, I don't know, 802.11n is, I think, 250 megabits per second, right. somewhere around there. Somebody's going to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so substantially faster uh, internet uh, or networking through wi- Wi-Fi. And then even more so through Ethernet. So if you've got Ethernet-connected devices, that can be, say, gigabit, for example. So 1,000 megabits, we'll say. So... With Wi-Fi, how do you connect to your, your speakers? Now, it's an iPhone, so AirPlay is the technology that you would look for. Uh, if your speakers are compatible with AirPlay, again, your iPhone is only going to allow you to connect to one AirPlay device at a time, out of the box. Right. But there are apps that you can get that will allow you to pair... Uh, well, you can pair to more than one device, but you can only play through one device. Right. Using AirPlay, though, and some supplemental apps, you'll be able to um, send the stream simultaneously to multiple devices because it's not through Bluetooth, which is the really, really slow medium, which is, you know, convenient and it's made for, typically designed for Bluetooth headsets and yeah. speakers and headphones, and but not for high bandwidth um, usage. So let's take a look uh, real quick, Jamie. There's a, uh, an app in the, in the uh, iTunes store. Um, I think it's called Multi-Room Music Player. Multi-Room Music Player. Let's try that. Um, iTunes. There we go. Multi-room music slash radio player. And multi-room being one word. So what this does, if they have some screenshots, there you go. So using AirPlay, it will allow you to um, set up various zones within your home. And AirPlay using Wi-Fi means that you are connected to the higher speed network which is your wireless internet basically right. so it's able to do a lot more mm-hmm. but you have to have airplay compatible speakers uh, so that's the only caveat um, the other thing that you could try um, going old school would be through your headphone jack insert a fm transmitter then okay. any radio in your house or within even a block of your house in some cases if it's powerful enough will be able to pick up the signal from your phone. Nice thing about that, unlike Wi-Fi where you may have sync issues where the kitchen is just a little out of sync from the living room so you have a bit of an echo effect going on because it's Wi-Fi. Unlike that, FM transmission over your radio is going to be instantaneous so you you don't have any kind of delay from device to device. Right, and how much would that little device be? Oh, goodness. If you can find one, they're like 20 bucks. I'm sure you can find one on Amazon. Please use our affiliate links (laughs) by going to category5.tv and clicking on support us. Uh, I'm sure they still exist. Absolutely. And if you're, if in doubt, 
if in doubt, you know where I would check is a car audio store because Ooh. people still use them when they're installing decks and, yeah. and things like that so that they can have the deck in the trunk and then FM transmit it to the, uh, to the receiver. So that, you'll definitely find it there. But I guarantee you, you'll find it in electronic stores and, and uh, certainly Amazon carries a lot of that kind of kind of stuff. So um, that's, that's the approach I would probably take if you don't have airplay. All right. Thanks for the question. Do we have time? No. We don't have time. Oh, <laughs> Sasha's like, I didn't no, want to say. I didn't gone over. I didn't want to say anything because I was like, Robbie hasn't noticed he's gone over. I, I'm sure you <laughs> can just go on. And I just care about the viewers <laughs> too much. I just want to make sure that we give a thorough answer, and I do hope that we've been able to help you tonight. Is that a good response? Can I say that? Does yes, that, that works. Okay, I went over because I care. See. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being here. And thanks to uh, Kelsey and Sasha, Adam, who are here running the show for me. And uh, thanks to you for watching wherever you are. Make sure you send us an email live at category5.tv. Say hello. And uh, hopefully we'll see the two of you again soon. It's a pleasure having you here. Hi, Sasha. Sorry, I was in the chat room. I know, you're on the chat. (laughs) Not being rude. That's actually her way of getting into the chat room and communicating. So great to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's so nice to see everybody. And thank you again for being here. I'll see you next Tuesday night. uh, And uh, we've got a great show in store for you. It's going to be 2016. So happy new year, everyone. And I'll see you next year. Good night. We hope you enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.